This is Report to Wyoming. In this episode, I talked to Greg and Brenda, Master Gardeners, about Natrona County's 42nd Annual Garden Gate. It's almost here. It's going to take place Friday, July 14th from 6 to 8 p.m. and Saturday, July 15th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Brenda and Greg are in charge of the garden tour, so I wanted to ask them what we can expect and how they're feeling about it. I love gardening. I've been excited to talk to you guys about this since December when I learned about it. So I'm behind. This is the 41st or 42nd year. But that's something I want to say, too, though. I've never covered this. Um, I've only been here. This will be my second summer, and so I don't know much about it, which is great because some of our listeners don't either. I've started recording, by the way. Um, so let's start off by you guys telling us a little bit about what it is. So the Garden Gate is an annual event that is hosted by the Natrona County Master Gardener organization. Um, it's, it's an event that has happened for several decades in Casper. It is one that many people in Casper look forward to every year because it's a fun event. It's an opportunity for people to go see what other people do in their yards and their gardens to get ideas for what I might do in my own to make some adjustments. And quite honestly, it's just an opportunity to be social and our people really enjoy it. I love that too, especially um, post pandemic. We'll probably never take for granted these opportunities to get together and stand next to each other and analyze plants and of that so how did you two get involved the master gardeners here do a variety of things we have a spring conference which is a educational event every spring Uh, we host the farmers market uh, every uh, summer Uh, we have a plant sale we do a lot of different things but over time most of us seize on one or two events that are the most fun for us. And so Brenda and I both share an interest in being involved in the Garden Walk, which has become the new name is the Garden Gate, which is a type of walk. And that's what we enjoy doing. And every year it's a little different and it's a lot of work to put together, but it's a lot of work on the gardeners to get commitments from uh, local gardeners to spruce their gardens up for an event like this. Uh, it's a big deal, and it's exciting. I first got involved way back when it was another organization that hosted the garden walk in town. And honestly, back then, I went as a participant and just so much enjoyed getting out and seeing yards and being part of people's gardens and dreaming about what someday when I had my house I might be able to do but so back to where we are this year we're doing a Friday evening Saturday morning walk this year for the first time in a number of years so we'll we'll be um, having it available Friday night from 6 to 8 that's July 14th I believe and Saturday July 15th from 9 to noon the people will be able to wander through gardens at their leisure Is this a competition or just a nice, friendly group activity? No competition involved. They sometimes compete with each other, and we have have some other things that end up being friendly competitions. But no, it really is truly an event that celebrates people in Casper 
who want to make Casper beautiful. That is there a theme this year? Yes, there is. It's kind of funny how that uh, evolved. Every year we have a theme, and this year we decided to focus on gardens on the west side of Casper. One of the things we learned uh, from our participants last year was that they appreciate having gardens clustered so that you can walk to all of them if possible or have a reasonably short drive uh, to get to them. So uh, we, uh, we took a look at the entire county in a way and decided that we had not done anything on the west side in a while. So we decided to focus, try to find clusters of gardens on the west side. And anyway, as we were identifying gardens and talking with owners, homeowners and and gardeners, it just dawned on us that every gardener has all of these great stories about the places that they spend so much time in. And those stories, some of them have many, many chapters. One of our gardens this year uh, was actually a homestead in the late 1800s and uh, continued as a ranch since then. Uh, So the first stories about that place were in the 1890s. Some of the other, one of the other gardens has been... uh, underway for 35 years and to listen to those homeowners and gardeners talk about their gardens and how they started them how they planted them where they sourced their plants Uh, so thus garden stories is our theme and with our clusters the subtopic sub theme is wolf creek Red Buttes Village and beyond because four of our yards are in Wolf Creek. We have two yards in Red Butte Village and one beyond. And do the the garden owners take part in the tour? So they're going around to other gardens but also speak for their own garden when people stop at theirs? Um, the way it works is our organization, the Master Gardener Organization, provides docents which are garden helpers basically at each yard there will be a couple at least two docents and the docents responsibility is just to you know help other people if they have questions and help with the traffic flow and and all of that many of our homeowners sometimes they choose to just completely be gone during the event sometimes they want to be part of it most of our homeowners this year, I believe, are pretty excited to have people seeing their yard and to be able to share parts of their stories with others. So I think most of our homeowners probably will be around the day of. One of the things we do as a courtesy is prior to the actual event, we um, have an evening where we get the docents and the homeowners together and we do a little mini tour of all the yards so that they've had the opportunity to see everyone else's yard and then they can choose to stay at their own if they want to or they can choose to go tour like everyone else does or they can quite honestly tour choose to be gone what about i don't know if props is the right word but 
Have you guys seen some spectacular garden implants? I'm thinking mossy-covered water wheels, fairy <laughs> gardens, things like that. What um, extremes do people go to outside of the flora aspect? Well, it, it's really amazing uh, how creative gardeners are. The thing that strikes me about this year's group of gardens is the diversity. Uh, some are... Um, exceedingly manicured with water features, uh, very unusual shrubs and trees and perennial plants. Um, but one of the water features is just amazing. And when you look at how much thought went into that, it's pretty amazing. We have one garden this year that one of the stories that the gardener immediately told us was that that I'm really, my husband and I are really into sustainable gardening. And it's not the biggest garden on the tour, but it is a sustainable garden. They have chickens. They're building a greenhouse. They have beds for vegetables. Uh, they start their seeds indoors. It's an amazing place. So every one of them is unique. Uh, some of the gardens have very elaborate, what we call hardscape, as opposed to landscape. Landscape's about plants and dirt, soil, those things. But the hardscape are those walkways, furniture, chairs, things of that sort stepping stones, pathways through gardens so you can see things better without compacting soil with your footprints. Garden sheds. So, uh, yeah. Garden gnomes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, honestly, Greg and I toured these yards in April, shortly after the huge snowstorm. So if there were gnomes, they weren't out yet. Uh, they very well could be out by now, but um, just they're so unique and so different from each other and yet the theme of they each tell a wonderful story is very very present in it this year last year um, Greg's actually garden was on the walk and so Greg was not only a master gardener helping with the event he and his wife were preparing their yard to be part of the event and last year our theme was um, a garden is life and so we talked about different ways that gardens give life and how they help us provide life and sustain life and enhance our lives and that type of thing. So um, we had a very similar experience last year. We had really spectacular, well-manicured, well-planned yards, and we had yards that were a little more wild a little more um, free-flowing so you know when you talk about different kinds of yards we have what you would consider some good solid maybe more like an English garden some that are very formal gardens and our hope is that there's a yard that really really speaks to every participant that comes and it might not be the same one for any of us but there's a yard that I can look at and say, wow, that's amazing. What could I take from here that I might do in my own landscaping? Mm, I love that. 
I'm just like walking around too and seeing what people are doing in Casper. I'm amazed by how much we can grow and the diversity too. So, how do you pick the individual gardens? It's a it's from a variety of ways. I'll be real honest with you and say historically there's been a little arm twisting involved and begging. We we were never beyond begging, but the event really has grown to the point where now we have many people who either express an interest themselves or someone else who knows their yard submits their name and information. Mm -hmm. So each year in our evaluation we offer people the ability to, to recommend other yards for us. Um, we this year also use some of the local nurseries to make suggestions of people that they know are really working on, you know, really making spectacular yards. And last year our focus was downtown. And so all seven of our yards last year were within about a seven, eight block area. So they were super walkable. This year we've got the four that are pretty good together and they would be walkable if someone wanted to. And then the two in Red Butte are right next to each other. And um, the one that's beyond, of course, is beyond. But we looked at, honestly, Greg and I looked at the, the people who had been recommended last year and said which section seems to be most doable and then we started contacting folks whose names had been submitted and you know a number of the folks we contacted still really wanted to do it it wasn't the right year some of the people it was the right year for so you it's a mixture it's it, it you know it's like okay where are we going to focus and now that we're going to focus there how are we going to make sure that we get some great yards in that area and it we were lucky last year it just really fell into place and this year it's done the same thing oh excellent i'm wondering which of these um where the birds and the bees fall when it comes to hardscape and landscape birds bees butterflies that kind of thing because i'm thinking ambiance and that's part of it right so is this hardscape or landscape does it matter? No. Birds and bees would be more in the landscaping part because that's where you're selecting plants okay. uh, that would support their habitats. Which is a choice that people make. So my neighbors pointed out that certain plants um, or hummingbirds are more attracted to certain plants. And mm -hmm. so they're like, we want more hummingbirds in this area. And they, um, they apparently pick their favorite spots early on. So you want to establish those plants early in the season so that they have your favorite spot if you want hummingbirds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, while I say, oh, without a doubt it's landscaping, it's also hardscaping because you have to create with your hardscapes environments that are conducive to. And, you know, that's one of the challenges that many of the gardeners that we have this year in, in their stories talk about the challenges of... Um, not really the birds and the bees, but more the deer and the raccoons and the, you know, some of those kinds of mm -hmm. critters that you have to really plan your landscaping around depending on where you're located. So in a perfect world, they meld together beautifully. Okay. And we adjust when they don't. Yes. And, and that's what we're hearing in a lot of these stories is those adjustments. And at the end of the day, the distinction between landscape and hardscape is that 
landscape are those things that are alive. Soil is an amazing uh, life form in many ways. Thousands of critters in that soil, millions of critters in that soil that are microscopic, and all the plants and the birds and the bees. Whereas hardscape are those man-made things that are added uh, to a garden to enhance it in certain ways. And then they meld together. Then they meld together. In a perfect world, they blend in a way that it's hard to distinguish one from the other. Mm. It's very, uh, it's one of the uh, benefits of going on a garden walk is that you see ways of, of planting and things that are planted that maybe you've never seen before or didn't, didn't weren't even aware would grow here. I remember last year uh, some of the people that came through uh, the gardens, uh, they're not all from Casper in Natrona County. We have people that come from Lander, uh, a group every year from Lander. We have people that come from Gillette. Uh, we have people that come from Colorado. Uh, there was a group uh, that were visiting uh, family in town from California. Uh, another very, very uh, active, successful gardener apparently in Washington State uh, has family here, and they all came to the garden walk. And they do. They the funny thing to me was that these people from afar mentioned how they how surprised they were that these things beautiful flowers and vegetables grow in this harsh environment. Um, you know, our growing zone here is anywhere from four to five. It's an agricultural uh, decision based on temperature lows and highs. Um, so that, that temperature range goes all the way down if you're in zone four in parts of Casper, that goes down to 30 below. Well, our low last year on December 22nd was 42 degrees below zero. And it's amazing how many plants have survived. And it took them a little while to come back this year because it was a, a long, long snowy winter. But it's amazing how things have flourished just in the last couple of weeks. So I think we're in for a treat this year. And that being said, it's also amazing how many didn't make mm. it. There I've heard that it's been hard on trees, trees shrubs. Trees especially yeah. and shrubs have really suffered this year because of the cold, because of the wind, and because of the amount of snow. And, mm -hmm. you know, we think snow, yeah, it's good for water, but it's not good for much else. But snow is a great protector. Oh, like an insulation. Yes. Yeah. And the wind blows it away. And so... What we're finding as you drive around town and look around, what you'll notice is there are places where um, one house, everything looks really great and lush, and at the very next house, things are not, not leafing out or just starting to leaf out. Mm -hmm. And part of it is because some of those st things stayed covered. They were protected area enough that the wind didn't take all that snow away, and so that snow insulated them from some of the harsh, harsh cold, whereas in other places, it was gone. As a master gardener, what things have you learned from doing this that you apply to your own garden? I guess I'm presuming that you have a garden. Maybe not. I do have a garden. Okay. <laughs> I, 
and garden means so many different things to different people. Greg was um, mentioning the gardeners that are working on sustainability. They're relatively new to Casper and have lived in many, many different climates. And when they first came and purchased their home here, they thought, oh, it's all about flowers. And she was all ready to do all the flowers and then has discovered the joy that she gets from growing her own food and canning and freezing and having the chickens and growing the chicken food. And so she's, she's adjusted what her expectation is. And mine has almost always been flowers. I, you know, I would love to say I do it because I want to grow my own food, but nah, that's not it. I like flowers. I like pretty flowers. I like things in bloom. I want to be able to look out and see. So um, <clears throat> things I've learned are perhaps maybe some more attention to the detail of when do things bloom and am I making sure that I have something that blooms in the spring and something that blooms in the summer and something that blooms in the fall. That's one thing that Lauren and Greg have done very, very well in their yard is paid attention to bloom times so that they've always got plants in bloom pretty much from March to October, I believe. Yes. It's tricky. And it is ah, tricky. And so I, I adjust periodically. Um, total vulnerability here. Gardening saved my life. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've t our friend, Katie, or it might be Lauren's friend, but you do remember Katie with the Cancer yeah. Coalition? Yeah, so she shows up at a lot of the greenhouse events and the gardening events because it's so good for your well-being, just wellness in general. So she's really concerned with um, the cancer aspect of it and how it helps you get exercise, but also mental health and you're out getting sunshine. So that doesn't surprise me at all. I'm sure there's, a lot of people. For many, many people, there's just nothing like putting your hands in the dirt. Yeah. And there was a time in my life when I suffered from a great crisis, and putting my hands in my dirt saved my life. What's your favorite flower? Daisies. Daisies. Okay, I like the echinacea or coneflower. Mm -hmm. I love coneflowers too. But they're kind of whimsical, and then they they bloom in the fall, right? Mm. Oh. They're a summer bloomer. Okay. But some of them continue. Out. They multi, you know, they have multi blooms, so you can get a rebloom off of them. Sometimes with daisies, you can get a good rebloom, depending on when, you know, I live on the east side of town and my daisies have not yet bloomed. But my friend who lives downtown, hers are pretty close to being done blooming. And one of our gardeners from last year that has quite a daisy garden sent me a message two weeks ago and said, Come look at my daisies. So, it depends on where you are in town and that mm -hmm. you know how many but coneflowers often you can get a second bloom off of so I like those I like the black-eyed Susans too they're just so goofy yeah yeah how Do about you, you Greg what's your yeah. favorite well in the category of annuals the plants that you have to plant every year from either seed or plants uh, I would say it's zinnias uh, they are brightly colored. They come in all different heights, everything from six to eight inches all the way up to four feet or so uh, high. Uh, the bees absolutely love zinnias. The hummingbirds love them, so they are attractors. Uh, they attract the pollinators. Um, 
children absolutely love zinnias. Um, and we have a lot of foot traffic in our neighborhood, and it's just fun to watch people, uh, children pointing at zinnias and laughing and giggling. It's, uh, it's all fun. But on the perennial side, the plants that you hopefully plant one time and get five to 20 years out of them, uh, I would guess my favorite is Crocosmia. And it's a little-known plant around here, though there are several gardens uh, that have it. And Crocosmia is is grown from a what's called a corm, which is a type of bulb. And it gives the illusion when it first comes up that it's an ornamental grass. And right now, my Crocosmia are about two feet high, and they're just wispy grass look looking things but toward the end of summer these little stems will come up and they they come up a couple of feet above the tops of the grass and bend over in a beautiful bright orange orchid like bloom appears and there are pods of them so it, it it's a plant that creates some excitement uh, in the neighborhood in our garden stories in the booklet that we um, publish for each year, one of the questions we asked the homeowners this year was, and often, most years, we ask that question, what are your favorites? And one of our homeowners said, asking me what my favorite plant is is kind of like asking me who my favorite child is. And I would have to say, as we continue to talk, I bet Greg and I both would be able to say, well, but I really like this too. And I, you know, I have a, a certain predisposition for loving succulents and you know so whatever's blooming the best I think at that moment might be what I like the best and and there's so many different things to choose I'm just trying to establish my garden so in five years I'll be ready to participate (laughs) at the rate we're moving (laughs) but yeah I've I've started to fall in love with it more because I I did more in um Bozeman, when our kids were little, before we moved here, I had uh, two plum trees. I loved their blossoms. We had a raspberry bush. Things seemed to grow easier. We did get more snow, but it didn't reach the really cold temps. I don't know. And then since we, you know, this was our first winter here, but second summer, the first summer we moved here, we didn't even look at the backyard. We were too busy. And then now I'm like, okay, I'm trying to set up things. The one lesson that I've learned more to come i'm sure is uh, the girls and i like watching the birds in the morning so we put bird feeders out back by our patio furniture yeah (laughs) and so i woke up one morning to just bird crap all over everything and i thought okay we're gonna have to move these to the sides of the house where we have some bay windows (laughs) that's been nice so now in the mornings when they're eating breakfast they can see it by the wood the birds by the window but yeah we didn't want them all over the Mm -hmm. furniture Mm -hmm. so Lots of things, and I'm excited to just see what people are doing. And to your point, I'm always impressed by what actually grows here because I've kind of been under the impression, oh, well, we could only grow this, this, and this, and that's it. So we do have a relatively short growing season, and we do have some limitations based on our temperature extremes and the amount of snow we get and then the amount of sun and heat we get in the summer and our low humidity and 
but we have incredibly creative people who have figured out ways to push the envelope just a little bit and get some things that many people would say, well, that won't grow here, to thrive here. Is our greenhouses cheating? Do you look in greenhouses? No, greenhouses aren't cheating. Okay. <laughs> greenhouses okay. are incredibly helpful. And those folks have an amazing amount of knowledge, A, in plants and how things grow and where things grow and the right conditions for those things. B, they've done a lot of work in Casper, Wyoming, and they know where, how our climates work and how to help people. And they're incredibly willing to work with you to help you become the best gardener that you can be. Whether that is, I'll come over and take care of it for you at this end, all the way over to the extreme of, I can recommend in my shop that you look at this kind of a plant if this is what you're looking for. And they do right. a variety in between all of the greenhouses here in Casper. You know, they, they truly are full service care for some folks in Casper. And they yeah. simply are a plant resource for other folks in Casper. But we have amazing greenhouses here. Not at all cheating to go there. I won't say which one I went to, but I talked to someone locally because I want to make sure I'm getting fruit trees that are going to do well here. And you can do all the research online, but it's kind of an investment when you get a few. And so it's like, okay, I want to make sure. So I'm really hoping that my trees work out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there are so many places here that you can go to choose to buy plants. But to drive your point home, the local nurseries carry plants that will thrive in Casper. And some of the other places that sell plants in Casper carry plants that get sent to them, not necessarily plants right. that thrive in our climate. And it is an investment. It's a huge financial investment. You know, another point in that regard, <clears throat> we certainly like to buy local when we can. Um, I do that. I also order from certain catalogs that I know from experience have a very good reputation of packaging um, plants uh, properly and shipping them at the right time for our growing zone. But there's another thing not to forget, and that's the spring Master Gardener's plant sale. Those plants are sourced locally or they're grown from seed in the master gardener greenhouse at the agricultural resource learning center <coughs> so uh, i recall last year probably 20 plants were dug from my garden um, it, those are were all hardy perennials that will flourish in this environment so when you're buying from that plant sale, you have a pretty good chance of having a successful uh, plant. And as master gardeners, you guys are a good resource on what will grow here. If you're a master gardener, you quickly learn that you, <laughs> in an entire lifetime, you will learn less than 1% of what's out there. Uh, I often say, and it's true that I've uh, between my wife and I, we've probably killed more plants than anybody in town. Uh, but that's part of it. Experimentation uh, is how you learn and you find out what works and what doesn't. And as Master Gardeners, our mission 
is helping others know how to grow. So absolutely, we're a resource that people can reach out to, that they can call on. They can call the Ag Resource um, Center, and we have a, as Greg mentioned, we have the um, farmer's market on Saturdays that's out at the Ag Center, and the Master Gardeners always set up a table. They're available to answer questions and help at that. We also do uh, people bring in plant samples to our office if they've got a pest problem or a diseased plant or just don't know why this isn't working right. We occasionally do house calls for people if they're having some major issues. We even have set up a, um, some evenings uh, like twice a month in the summer where people can call in or come in and there will be people available to help. Oh, good. <laughs> you can come help me. <laughs> this has been Report to Wyoming, presented in the public interest by Town Square Media.